Hi, this is Jim Lyon. And with me today, the marvelous, engaging, <laughs> stunningly beautiful and bright Jennifer Wilson. Hello. JJ, we're so glad you're here. Thank you. I'm really glad to be here. And you know, it's summertime. I don't know about you, yes. but when the summer rolls around, there's something deep down inside of me that just wants to take a break. Yes. I want to go somewhere, see a new routine, just, just the outside. change it up. And it's not hot and humid, and it's doing great so far. So far. <laughs> and I have a suitcase. I have a new suitcase to travel with. And the reason we're talking about that is today on Viewpoint, we're starting a new series called Pack Your Bags. Pack Your Bags. Which actually is a study in the Old Testament book of Exodus, where a whole group of people have to move quickly, travel light, and find God's best for them. Are you ready to travel? I'm ready. Ready to dive into something new? Yes. Stay with us. We're coming back. Pack Your Bags. Maybe midnight or midday. Never early, never late He gon' stand by what he claimed Lived enough life to save I heard your heart, I see your pain Out in the dark, out in the rain Feel so alone, feel so afraid I heard you pray, in Jesus' name It may be midnight or midday It's never early J.J., the book of Exodus tells the story of God's people in the Old Testament, the Hebrews, 
and how they are going to be delivered from slavery and bondage in Egypt into a land, as the Bible describes, flowing with milk and honey, Mm -hmm. into a lot better place. Sometimes we call it the promised land because it was promised to God's people long before they actually got there. And the book of Exodus, from which we get the English word also exit. I know, I always tell kids, it's the way out It's the way out. Exit, Exodus. in the English language from the old Greek, Exodus, Exodus, and so on, it's about moving. It's about moving out and going somewhere new. And in life, all of us at times have to pack our bags and move. Today, as we begin the journey, though, at the very beginning in the earliest chapters of Exodus, we understand that the Hebrews came to a point where they realized that their present life and circumstances were dreadful. Mm that they were in slavery, that they were in bondage. Even though it's all they had known for a long, long time, for generations, they came to the conclusion that they just couldn't take it anymore. Mm. And that is the predicate for all of us in life. If we're going to make a change up, if we're actually going to, as a metaphor, pack our bags and move to a new place, we have to first come to the conclusion that what I'm living with is simply not tenable that I am in bondage, I'm enslaved, I am not free, and there's something deep down in the human heart that says, I want to be free. And just like the Hebrews were enslaved by the Egyptians, all of us, until we recognize it, are enslaved by sin. We are habitual sinners. We don't often like to think of ourselves that way, but we make wrong choices, we make selfish choices, we pursue our own ends, and then when things get chewed up and messed up and we feel desperate, we come to the realization, you know, this isn't the way I, I want to live. This, this is not a good place to be. I'm actually trapped. And when we cry out to God, he then can intervene and set us free. Now, in Exodus, this happens in a very tangible way. And JJ, let's open up our Bibles to Exodus chapter 2 and just look at a few verses verses 23, 24, and 25, and the stage is set by the realization that the Hebrews have come to Egypt 400 years before this story is told. They came, and when they first arrived, they were welcomed because Joseph, one of their forebears, had been there. He was a very bright guy. He was favored by the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Things worked out well. Pharaoh said to Joseph, bring your people, bring your family, give them the best land. I like you. I like your folks. And so the Hebrews settled there in a land that was very fertile and prosperous, but over time, over centuries, the Hebrews prospered so much that the Egyptians began to fear them. And new kings came who didn't remember Joseph, and they began to tighten the screws and enslave the Hebrews. They were foreigners. Mm -hmm. They were immigrants. They were outsiders. They were aliens. And as this story is opening for us today, they have been forced to make bricks to build the monuments of Egypt. They had to do it on fast time. They were whipped. They were cruelly beaten. They were driven like animals. And they'd had enough. They they just couldn't take it anymore, which opens up our story. Can you read those verses for us? This is Exodus chapter 2, beginning with verse 23. Years passed and the king of Egypt died, but the Israelites still groaned beneath their burden of slavery. They cried out for help and their pleas for deliverance rose up to God. God heard their cries and remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked down on the Israelites and felt deep concern for their welfare. And thanks, J.J., in my translation, which is just a little bit nuanced differently, it says, and he looked down on the people of Israel and he knew it was time to act. I mean, all of those English 
nuances are resident in the original Hebrew language of this text. And in this passage, we can all learn how we also can pack our bags and move to a promised land. There are several things that jump off the page. And the first thing that I notice, JJ, is that life can be rough sometimes. Mm. I mean, the Hebrews in this story are suffering. And while we don't like to think of life this way, the truth is this is a broken world. And all of us at some point or another are going to find ourselves trapped in despair, discouraged, feeling like we don't have any way forward or a way out. Sometimes people lose a sense of future. They are hopeless. The world yeah. is a tough place sometimes. Yeah, you know, there's the physical struggles with health or just housing circumstances or financial circumstances, but there's also like emotional and spiritual struggles too, like questions that never get answered and unhealthy relationships that you just keep bumping into over and over again. And I feel like it takes a really healthy whole person to come to grips with that and say, I am struggling. You know, we often think that the healthy people are the ones that everything seems to be going so great for. But the really healthy ones are the ones that that realize, you know, everything's not so great. And I need to not be here anymore. (laughs) And face their problems. Yeah. And say, you know what, this can't be my destiny to live like this. And at an even more primal level, life can be rough because we are all prone to be tempted to do things we know are not right and are Mm. not healthy. And sometimes we find ourselves in cycles where we simply cave to those temptations and we hate ourselves and loathe ourselves for the way in which we've caved. And yet we feel helpless and powerless. I I can't get out. Mm -hmm. What do you do in moments when our circumstances or even the condition of our heart make us feel completely helpless? You cry out to God. And that's what happens in this text. Mm -hmm. In their misery... They cried out to heaven. They said, Lord, we are powerless. They acknowledged their condition. They acknowledged the truth and the reality that by themselves, they could not find a new life. They would never be free. That without an intervening force from beyond themselves, without God's intervention, they were trapped and would always be trapped. I think that's so key because most of the time when we have a problem or a situation, we think, okay, how can I fix this? Or maybe we'll even go to someone else. Hey, let me process with you. Can you help me fix this? And that's just human, human. That's, a, that's one plane of living. And they broke open the planes here and they went to God, you know, the one who was their Yahweh, their father, their creator. And they said, help us. And as they made that cry, they actually were preparing themselves to pack their bags. Mm. Because when you cry out to God for help, if you really are desperate enough to change, then you're going to have to move from where you are to some place else. You're going to have to allow change in your environment or your circumstances, in your heart, to take root so that you can go to a promised land. And the Hebrews here did not understand what was going to come next. All they knew is, We have to be delivered from where we are. We are ready, Lord, even if it means leaving behind the familiar, this land of Goshen, this land of Egypt, that's all we've known. We're ready to change it up. Our suitcase is ready, if you'll just tell us when, how, and where. So God heard their cry. Hmm. I mean, this is another important part of the story, isn't it? Mm -hmm. God heard their cry. I want to tell everyone listening today, if there's anything you can stand on, it's this. God never turns a deaf ear to a desperate, humble soul that pleads for help from heaven. 
God always hears, and he understands, he comprehends. In fact, later in the passage, we see that God not only hears, he sees. Yeah. He sees their suffering. He is fully engaged with the senses that we understand, hearing and seeing, to comprehend the need. And sometimes it feels like God is not listening, or he can't see, or somehow I'm in the corner, or I'm out of sight, out of mind. Maybe heaven is not aware of my dilemma, but that's the devil's whisper. God knows exactly who you are, where you are, what you face. And when you cry out to him humbly, in dependence on him, when you surrender into his solution, when you say, I need help and I'm willing to go wherever you call me, Lord, to find that help or that destiny, God will hear that prayer. You may not be feeling it right now, but know that you are being heard. And as God heard and saw, JJ, what's another verb we could say? God heard, he saw, and he... Remembered. What did he remember? He remembered the promises, the covenant that he'd made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and and what that meant in perpetuity for these people, his people, his chosen people. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, of course, were the patriarchs, the ancient fathers of the Hebrew people. They were long dead and gone by the time this story is taking the page. But God made promises to them, and he remembered those promises. Now, I don't think God actually forgets. I just think what we're reading here is the sense of prompting that as we cry out for help, God understands he has promised to help. And we're farther down the road in the revelation of God than they were back in the Exodus. We have the New Testament now. Jesus has come and disclosed God to us. But in the same way that promises were made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we have promises too. Mm -hmm. We have a promise that God can work things together for good, even the mess-ups for those who are called according to his purpose. That's a promise of God. Mm -hmm. We have the promise of new life. We have the promise of Jesus that if we're burdened and heavy laden, that we can come alongside him and he'll pick that burden up off us. We have the promise that he will provide for us what we need when we need it. We have the promise of new life. We have the promise of a promised land also, even beyond this world. And, you know, if I can draw on my own life for a little example, you know, I made a promise, a covenant with my husband. And there are times in our relationship when when all of a sudden one of us cries out for something. And I will, without knowing it, just twist my ring on my, on my finger, my wedding ring, and, and remind myself of who I am and the promises that I made, and then, then you step in and you, you have compassion and you, you be a part of the solution or you, you do something. But I feel like this, was, this passage, just the, the vision that comes to my mind is God twists that wedding band and he says, these are my people, I'm, I'm with them, I'm connected to them, I've made this promise and I will keep it. The scripture tells us that God said, I know my plans for you mm-hmm. and they are plans for good for life. And as we cry out in our despair, he remembers what he has promised us. And even as you can be certain he hears and sees, never doubt that he remembers. Mm -hmm. His promise to us is life. Well, as he remembers, he also has a knowledge. And when we come back, JJ, let's talk about how he knows what he knows and what he does.
that's broken and make it whole again. Well, here's the pieces of my heart. What can you do with them? Cause I can't hold them all together anymore. So I let them fall surrendered to the floor. You make all
JJ, sometimes as I look at my Tumi suitcase and uh, it's all packed and ready to go, but I'm not sure when my flight is departing. I'm not sure exactly what time am I supposed to be on the road. I am waiting for a cue. In life, we sometimes are, are waiting for that cue. I know something needs to change up. I, I know that I need help. I know I need to be delivered. And I know that it may require me to move into uncharted territory, to the place that is best for me, that God knows. But when do I go there? When is God going to act on my heart cry? I don't always know that. But in the passage we've been reading in Exodus chapter 2, it tells us that God knows. Hmm. Look at that verse 25. It says, and God knew it was time to act. Hmm. There is a kind of providential timing in the universe. Our ability to understand it and sometimes accept it is finite because hmm. we only see bits and pieces. We don't see the whole. But Tell God, my son that. Yes. Heaven, well, it's exactly <laughs> the same. We have a relationship to God like, often like our small children do to us. Mm-hmm. And our little children can't comprehend, why do I have to go to bed right now? Why can't I have that thing right now? Exactly. And, Isn't and, it tomorrow yet? And, yeah. and why do I have to go to school today? Why can't I go tomorrow? Mm-hmm. I mean, there are all kinds of questions a child asks, and we do the same thing with God. But oh. God sees everything. And he knows exactly when it's time to put the suitcase in the car and move on out to the airport. He knows exactly when it's time to confound the enemy of our souls and intervene. We may feel like we're not being heard, but God is hearing. He also has knowledge beyond us about when is exactly the right time to come. Think about that story of Jesus responding to the death of his friend Lazarus. Right. He gets word that Lazarus is deathly ill and he does not respond. He doesn't go yet. He doesn't yeah. go yet. He ultimately shows up after Lazarus is dead. But as the story unfolds, he calls Lazarus back to life. It becomes a great moment and a declaration of the glory of God. Jesus knew exactly when he needed to show up at the house of Lazarus. He knows exactly when he needs to show up in Egypt to deliver the Hebrews. And he knows exactly when he needs to show up in your life. Hmm. Even though you may still be burdened right now, he will appear. He will act, but he knows the time. Which brings us to the best verb of all. <laughs> if he hears and sees and remembers and knows, he, he delivers. He delivers. <laughs> he shows up and he delivers them. And in Exodus chapter 2, we have the stage set because we are told now God is going to intervene. He's going to intervene supernaturally. The Hebrews will have to pack their bags and move quickly, but they are going to move to a place that is so far beyond what they could presently imagine, something so beautiful, so wonderful, so blessed that they can't even conceive of it. But God is now prepared. He knows it's time, and he acts. In life, there are moments when we think, I don't know if I can take it anymore. But the scripture says the Lord will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we're able to bear. He knows what time, and he will act. Just because you have not seen his hand today doesn't mean tomorrow is not the day of your deliverance. Know this. Expect it. Watch for it. Believe in it. Hope for it. And be ready for it. God does deliver. You know, when we get the bags ready and prepare ourselves to go, we also have to have that mindset that what God has for us is better than where we are now. So often we can just, like you said, get stuck or think, I can't get out of this or whatever, or I'll never be able to have anything better than what I have. And God's plan for us is always better and and where we're headed. And the best 
you said this, the best I can have is what God has for me. No matter where it is, the best I can have is what God has for me. In a way, God restores to us things better than what we had before, mm. beyond what we could have imagined. But sometimes we go through the crucible to get there. Yeah. We have to experience our helplessness and our dependency, and he has to hear our heart cry so that he is given permission. He requires our permission mm. to intervene and set us free and bring us to that new and better place. Wherever you are in life right now, whatever your losses, whatever your bondage, know this. If you will bow before God and cry out in Jesus' name, he will hear. He sees you, and he is remembering, even as you pray, his promise to give you life and a future. And he will know exactly when to set you free, and he will act. Never doubt that. How do you begin? How do you start to pack your bags? You get ready by acknowledging you know you cannot stay where you are. You can't go on living as you live. Bow your head. Pray with us now, even as we acknowledge we need God to move us. Our Father, we're so thankful today that you do hear and see our circumstances, our hearts. We're so thankful, Lord, that you are willing to act and that you have made great and precious promises to us. And we're thankful for the way which your will for us is always good for life and for a future. And we admit, Lord, that sometimes we're enslaved by our circumstances, even by our broken hearts. We are enslaved by sin. We are trapped in environments or in relationships that seem beyond our control. We admit, Lord, that we are not smart enough, we are not agile enough, we are not spiritually empowered enough, we are not able enough to set ourselves free. And we ask, Lord, that you will set us free. Hear us, see us, redeem us, deliver us. Remember your promises for the good to us. Amen. Today, we want to invite you to reach out and talk to us. Maybe you've got some questions about what you heard today, or maybe you just want to share some good news, or maybe you have a prayer request. Whatever's on your heart, we want you to know. We want to hear from you. We have a 24-hour toll-free line that you can dial right now and hear the real voice of a member of our CBH Viewpoint team. Here's the number. Just dial this, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're always by the phone, and we're always glad to hear from you. You can also find us on the internet at cbhviewpoint.org. You can read there about the Viewpoint Ministry, or you can send us an email, and we will respond. Or at the last, if you prefer, send me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But by whatever method you choose, please, don't just stay where you are. Don't just allow yourself to be frozen. Move forward. Reach for life. Allow God to help you pack your bags and set you free. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, we are so glad that you're here. This is Jim Lyon. We hope you'll be back with us again next week. Godspeed and stay tuned.